Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. There's one win in the Bulldog book, but now the competition takes a step up for Mississippi State as they host Arizona in Week 2. Let's talk about it here in the Doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Doghouse as we go into Week 2 of this 2023 season. Mississippi State 1-0 after a reasonably routine victory over southeastern Louisiana, 48-7. to Yes, it was a slow starting game. We will be addressing that. Strong finish. Mississippi State maybe didn't score as many points as quite a few of their conference rivals against FCS competition, but it's all relative at this point. The main thing is the Bulldogs won. Nobody apparently got hurt. There was a little scare with Tulu Griffin in the first half, but he seems to be okay, returned to the game, and should be full speed again this weekend. And in fact, Mississippi State should be getting some players back this week as well who were either held out or could not have gone in the first game. However, some of those who missed out, uh, they may uh, want to accelerate their return because some other guys have stepped up fast. We've got so much to go over with from the previous game, but more to talk about the Arizona game coming up. And of course, at the end of this, we're going to have an interview with offensive coordinator Kevin Barbe following Monday's practice. So, I'm your host, David Murray, as usual, and Mississippi State opens the season 1-0 as usual. I can say that because now that's, what, seven straight season openers. The Bulldogs have pulled off a victory in there, and one of them a conference victory, as you well recall, from 2020. That one didn't carry over to the rest of the season quite so well, but uh, there are reasons to think that this first win, which was entirely expected, of course, will carry over better for what it showed about Zach Arnett's first full team. Our immediate takeaways... Except for one series, the dog defense played really well. Uh, not an A grade overall, but uh, and that's despite giving it one touchdown, which normally would give you an A grade in Power 5 competition, and that's what State has this weekend. But they gave up a long drive where, okay, you make one tackle, especially on a third and 20 situation that just a tackle was flat out missed or running or got away. Drive kept going, and they were able to put their only touchdown on the board. Get rid of that, and State has just not just a scoreboard shutout, but just about a shutout offensively as far as yardage, first downs, all sorts of things, because I believe the Lions, after that TD, maybe had one other series that produced a single move of the chains. Otherwise, they were moving backwards often is not. So a really good grade for the defense overall. Offensively, another slow start as well, and Barbe will talk about that in our interview later that coming in this show. And he stressed they want to start faster, and they wanted to start this one fast. It just didn't develop. They certainly had chances to put more points on the board in the first quarter, certainly in the first half that weren't maximized. Now, there was a positive benefit to that because Mississippi State called upon a brand-new kicker, and boy, did Kyle Ferry come through with a couple of 45, 47-yard kicks, 47-49. I forget the exact distances. I could use this mouse a little bit and find it, but you get the point. In fact, our friend, former PR director Mike Nemeth, was asking when was the last time State had any kicker of any age boot a pair 40 yards and a half. I haven't had time to do thorough research this week. I know it's happened before, like 2003, Brent Smith. I did find that one. But more research is required if we're interested at this point. Eh, Maybe not with the history. We like what uh, the young kid is going to make in his own history here. And he was SEC co-freshman of the week. Uh, We'll talk about that as well a little bit. Um, I'm not going to come out and say that Creed Whittemore was robbed, but uh, 
Reed Whittemore was robbed. All right, got that out of the way. But congratulations to Ferry, and for that matter, congratulations to Whittemore for what he did in his first time out as well. By the way, Mississippi State had three players score a dozen points in the game. Ferry with his two field goals and six extra points. Whittemore with his touchdown reception and his fly sweep touchdown run. Boy, talk about an electrifying play there. I don't care what level of competition you're facing. That was a heck of a run and move down the sidelines against a Lion team that was fairly athletic. And, of course, good old Jaquavius Marks, who catches a touchdown, runs for a touchdown, 12 points as well. My larger point is that of the 48 points State scored, 24 came from freshmen, but also six of them came from special teams. Well, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the field goals and PATs. Let's just say on a specialty team, as State blocks a point and Avery Sledge, take a bow, young man, as you account for the first special teams touchdown of the season. And who would have thought it would have come on a block punt when you have guys like Tulu Griffin and, well, this week you should have Xavier Thomas back in the fold, but you always think those first special teams points should come on big kick returns when you have a pair of All-Americans on the roster. Nope, it was a specialty team with the blocked punt and the recovery scoop and score by Sledge. So a little bit of everything there. All we needed was a defensive touchdown, and State has the full uh, repertoire coming out of their opening game. Now, with State, they weren't close to any defensive touchdowns that I can really recall at this moment. Didn't force too many turnovers in the air, but they certainly forced some on the ground with Nate Watson uh, rattling the ball loose and twice Jet Johnson doing it. In fact, that ties him already for the national lead in forced fumbles as well. Yeah, it's all early, but still these stats can be fun, such as saying that State has the number one rushing team in the SEC after one weekend, top 10 in the nation. In fact, briefly, they did lead the nation until some late scores started coming in. But who would have thought that? And that brings up something I was really stressing in my post-game stories and talks on Saturday. When was the last time? Well, you know, it was in 2019. Okay, let's, no mystery to it. Back in the last year of the Joe Moorhead years with uh, Kylan Hill at running back, that was the last time that Mississippi State had more rushing yards as an offense than the other team had total offense. It was in the Egg Bowl, of course. Well, they did it again this time. State with 298 rushing yards and you know, southeastern Louisiana, less than that rushing and passing combined. So talk about how things have changed. Yeah, that's how things have changed with the Kevin Barbe offense stepping in. The air raid is there's still elements there. Don't ever overlook that fact. But boy, this new balanced offense I don't care what the quality of competition was, and let's go on the record here and say Southeastern Louisiana has a bunch of good athletes. Like most in any FCS teams, they're not going to be able to stand up at the line of scrimmage to a good FBS team, certainly not from a Power 5 conference. But they had the athletes to make it interesting, and uh, I really don't think they did. Um, More it's what State did or didn't do in certain situations. I know we were harping in the first half about how they were able to work the left side of the field. Well, as uh, coordinator Matt Brock explained, that really wasn't so much the fact they wanted to go left. They were just going into the boundary because of the way State had loaded the defense up. So that wasn't a particularly designed to go against any particular State personnel, just about the scheme and setup. And it worked well for one series, and that was all. 
So a good solid opening win. State gets points from special teams, gets points from the offense, um, shuts down on the defense pretty much. Just a solid opening act. I guess the only letdowns, I say plural, were, and the coaches share this, even on defense, Brock was saying, as did Barbe and his head coach, Zach Garnett, they wanted to start faster. Now, why State didn't just come out blowing and going immediately? All I can do is speculate at this point, but it's speculation based on a lot of years doing this, so take it for whatever it may or may not be worth. I think the Bulldogs worked themselves into such a mental state during camp. Uh, Very intense, very physical, but very intellectually and emotionally intense as well. Wanted to do well for their new coach, for their new schemes, figuring things out. That they came out tight in the first game, and that kind of seems to have slowed their feet just a little bit. And I mean just a little bit, but even in an FBS versus FCS matchup, just being a little bit slow can make you pay early on. But uh, such as, um, you know, one thing we point to, maybe linebacker coverage, um, getting around on some of the run plays that the Lions threw at you. Or perhaps we can point to some receivers not getting downfield and open quite as quickly as they should have early on. Now, they did later. Weren't always maximized, but they were getting open as the game developed and their athleticism and their conditioning took over. I just think State came out. Maybe I shouldn't use the word tight because that implies they were worried about the game and the opponent. I think if they were worried about anything, it was how they would execute and perform this first time out, particularly on the offensive side. The best answer to that is, as we've written a story for Thursday on jeanspage.com, one penalty in the entire game. And that was on a special teams play, the first kickoff of the second half where Zakari Tillman face mask at the end of their turn by Southeastern. That's it. The only penalty for an entire game. 68 offensive snaps, not a single false start, not a single procedure call. Everybody got lined up on time. And with the new rule about after the chains move, the clock doesn't stop. You've got to get up there and get going. That was a big deal. It, it Maybe it doesn't seem like a big deal, particularly the opponents. But And I may have mentioned this past show, I'm trying to remember. But all the coordinators we talked to and even some position coaches were commenting in the last week or so of camp, and we hadn't heard this before until then, that maybe they were starting to have a few issues getting everybody ready and in the right place, the right time, the right set for pre-snap. Now, that's not because they're doing super exotic things, but more the fact that they're so intent on the execution and they're doing so many more things, particularly, again, on the offensive side, that there's just the memory factor of, oh, this play, I go here, whereas, hey, in the air raid, I'm pretty much the same place all the time. I'm not doing the same thing. Never let me make the air raid sound like a super simple offense. That was grossly overrated. But at least you had a pretty darn good familiarity of where you were going to be on the field, depending on where the ball was spotted in the down and distance. In this offense, goodness, guys are lining up all over the place, whether it's running backs, receivers, tight ends. Yes, the return of tight ends. One catch, but still the first catch by a Bulldog tight end since the Music City Bowl with a minute left. Uh, trivia answer for Rod Green. And now the trivia answer here, Antonio Harmon. Yes, a converted wide receiver, but he's officially a tight end this year and playing a tight end type role in this offense. So tight ends are back on the statistical board. Glory and hallelujah. And like I've said too, 
the way they're using the tight ends, uh, sometimes it looks more like a fullback type of a role. Dare I hint at that? Okay, just having some fun with it. Anyway, the larger point again being that they had no false starts, no procedure penalties. Everybody got in the right place at the right time. They might not have done the right thing, and only the coaches can answer that. And certainly we're not going to ask them. But in general, Barbe and Brock were both happy with how their groups did. Yeah, it sounds simpler on defense, but again, other than your interior core of Pickering and Crummity up front, and boy, did Nathan Pickering have himself a game. Jet Johnson and Nathaniel Watson at linebackers, and DeCamary and Richardson at cornerback, you're putting a lot of guys in there who either had never started before, had limited starting experience, even limited backup experience, and they're antsy to go out there and make plays against an offense that's doing a whole lot of different things. I mean, give the Lions credit. They threw a lot of looks, a lot of uh, packages, a lot of tempo at state, and the Bulldog defense never jumped off sides. Now, somebody might suggest, if you were going to be the cynical side, that, well, they were a little too uh, concerned about what was going on and weren't quite ready. No, they were ready. They just responded a little tight early on, but not because they weren't ready for things. And as the game went on, they were playing fast and loose and still were not jumping the snap count, even in obvious passing downs when they wanted to get back there and put pressure on the passer. And you notice how much of the pressure came straight up the middle this time. That's a luxury you have when you have a guy like Pickering just having a monster day like he did and tying up so much blocking. I mean, let's face it, when Nate Watson and Jet Johnson are blowing through there to get the two and a half sacks for the game, that tells you that things were really clearing out in the middle of the muddle there. So great on them. State did not have to rely on outside passing pressure. I think that'll be a different case this week, but that's to be discussed in just a minute. And as Barbe also pointed out, besides the fact that his defensive team didn't jump the snap count and commit silly penalties in that regard, he thought his safety positions and cornerbacks, they played well in the air. They didn't panic, didn't grab at the receivers that might have been beating them. Um, one time they probably should have. Uh, I think a situation there where, say, his Ferge probably should have grabbed his guy. I mean, it's goal line. Just take the penalty and don't give up the touchdown because maybe you have luck of creating something the next play. As it was, credit to Southeast for a great little jab step by the quarterback, drop back, flip, and there's a receiver just floating out open because everybody was so packed tight in the defensive set. State will learn from that. The one really true glaring breakdown as far as points. Yeah, tackling can get better. Tackling will get better because it has to get better, particularly by the safety positions. And by the way, that's still a work in progress. Uh, who's going to be in those rotations? You saw that State was able to start Sean Preston, Hunter Washington, and Marcus Banks. But then you saw guys like uh, Isaac Smith, uh, Jacoby Albert, and others, uh, Corey Ellington, even Jordan Morant, getting into the action there. I don't know that State has settled on the safety rotation just yet. That could very much be up in the air. I did like what they were able to do with the front. You know, they were able to you know bring in Trevian Williams behind Crumity. He played a good game. You know Calvin Dinkins is going to be a beast of the future, rotating with Pickering. He just didn't have to be today because Pickering, well, I just keep pounding this point. He was destroying the other guys. And a great game, I thought, by DeMonte Russell coming off defensive end. Now, Jordan Davis, his nominal backup, did not play. Deontay Anderson did. So maybe we're still trying to figure out what's going on at that position. And the other position defensively that is of most interest as far as what are they going to be doing is the Sam linebacker. 
Deshaun Page started. J.B. Purvis played a lot. John Lewis got in there for a goodly number of snaps as well. I don't really know if they have a true starter beyond the fact that somebody's got to be on the field for the first snap at this point. So we'll see how that develops as well. But again, a solid game by the defense when you just give up one scoring drive and one set of points. And offensively, once they got their feet under them, I guess the only thing to truly worry about is, uh, well, in the first quarter, the offensive line just wasn't asserting itself. And that was a senior, all senior, graduates or regular seniors, offensive line. And they just weren't dominating an FCS front. Now, as the game went on, certainly they did. But that's maybe that's the group that needed the start fast most. Then I mumble that up. Um, needed the fastest start the most. How's that for it? And even though they don't get the stats, you needed those guys to go out and set an immediate physical tone and just say, this is the way this game is going to be played. They did as the game developed. You just want them to come out and put that first punch because they're going to have to this weekend against an Arizona team, which is much bigger, much stronger, and much different than last year's team. But you can't argue with Jaquavius Marks running the ball. Seth Davis, the new kid, yeah, there's a reason he's all the way up to number two in the running back rotation ahead of Simeon Price. And Jeffrey Pittman, who's not even listed on the depth chart because it only goes three down, but, oh, he is very much a factor in there. That guy can move the pile. So you've got a power runner, and, of course, Kevon Lee as well. You've got speed, you've got power, you've got youth, you've got age. Oh, goodness, what a great year to have running backs returning to a full-time role as runners. And by the way, that certainly didn't hurt Marks receiving the ball. He tied for the team receiving lead in both catches and yardage. But all the excitement, well, the biggest excitement, came at the receiver positions for the new kid, Creed Whittemore. Goodness. Now, Will Rogers sold that touchdown pass marvelously. Play fake. But not only the play fake, the quick spin move there that just had the defense going, wait, okay, we know it's now a play fake, but is this a bootleg? Is this a naked? What is it? And then froze up, and Whittemore is just slashing down the left side into the wide open. Rogers delivers it in for the touchdown. And then Whittemore, of course, comes back, as we said, the fly sweep, which is a highlight play. I don't care what league you're in and what competition you're playing. And as far as receivers, of course, uh, Tulu did get hurt in the first you know, part of the game. Uh, one of those sweep plays he's working on. Interesting, too, that uh, the guy we're expected to use on the jet sweeps or the fly sweeps was the one who got banged up, and the new kid comes in and makes it truly fly. But... You know what Tudor's capable there, and hopefully the shoulder is not going to be a problem any of the rest of the way. But he may want to think about uh, looking over his shoulder, no pun intended, a little bit at this new kid, the way Whittemore's playing. And if State decides to stay with a four-receiver rotation at times, four true wides, you can put them both in the slots there. Um, that's because Xavier Thomas is supposed to return this weekend. He'll return to that Z position. Uh, Jaden Wally, of course, had a receiving touchdown as well. And by the way, uh, if you can't put Thomas back there and punt return this week, uh, could you put Whittemore there? Just saying. And Ryland Gooday, um, no catches. Yes, he admitted he whiffed on a block early in the game, but as the things went on, he found his stride in both the running game and the pass protection as well. So, Oh, and Malik Ellis. 
I talked about this in camp, how he caught my eye as a motion tight end. This is a guy, yes, he's going to be an offensive lineman in the future. But dang, if he keeps playing like this, maybe they ought to think about leaving him as a huge tight end of the future out there as well because the guys ahead of him are graduates. Uh, and, oh, parenthetical update, nothing new on Jaquarius Spivey right now other than Mississippi State will continue to pursue avenues of getting him the year back some point this season. His NCAA appeals are officially exhausted, but uh, as the saying goes, there are ways and means just like um, what the receiver at North Carolina, there's a lineman at Colorado. There's some guys who are going to get eligible as season goes on. It's just going to take time. You hate to lose any play, but Spivey, who was done wrong by TCU, this is not on Mississippi State. This is not on the SEC, probably not even on the Big 12. TCU gave him the wrong recommendation, and that's why Under the rules, I have to stress that, under the reading of the rules, he is ineligible for another year. That can get taken care of on appeal, and and yes, I can tell you that lawyers are getting involved, and they're going to take this on and try to get the guy at least some more games here in the senior season. And boy, getting him back in the rotation. If you want a big tight end who can catch the ball, that's the one you want doing it. Otherwise, We're still fine having blocking, but you're going to want that tight end option as a guy who can run a route breaking off the line besides taking out defenders. So keep your fingers crossed that maybe Spivey can soon, certainly before State hits SEC play. That's probably a little bit of a rush, but if we can get him back, even by the South Carolina trip or by October, just count that as a win. It's unfair what's happened to him. Uh, What was the phrase used in the postgame? Travesty. It was a travesty, and that's when a state coach comes out and says that, a state player, it's not just emotion. That means they have read the facts and feel free to use the word for what it truly means. So that's a quick review of the Southeastern Louisiana game, just success for the Bulldogs. I mentioned the impact when you have two freshmen score half of your points there, and your uh, specialty teams contribute another touchdown. So... What, oh, yeah, quickly, uh, I mentioned that State – here isn't a, a stat where State is number one in the SEC right now. First in red zone efficiency. All four trips produced 24 points for the Bulldogs in the first game. Now, Mike Leach's team, his last team, they were good in the red zone. Let's not over make this sound like that is radically improved. But it is improved, and that's good to see because they were already good, and now if you can – stay at anything close to that sort of efficiency. Well, you know, 100%, that's going to be hard to keep up with, maybe impossible. But you keep that red zone efficiency and scoring touchdowns in the process, you feel pretty darn good about how this season's going to develop. But it's now time to play FBS football, time to play Power 5 football, because, yes, we will say that for now, the Pac-12, which we also need to say for now in there, it's still a power conference. And here comes one of their members, Arizona, for a 6.30 kickoff SEC Network this weekend. By the way, um, I'm doing a little quick check in there. Mississippi State is 2-2 two and two against PAC competition, whether it was PAC 8, 10, 12, whatever they are now. The two losses, of course, were to Oregon back in uh, 2002, 2003. Yeah, that was the years. Uh, State beat Washington way back in the 70s. That game was later forfeited, but, you know, we're counting it as a win now because, you know, I mean, it, what's illegal anymore? Okay. 
And now, of course, State had the win last year, 39-17 at Arizona. This is the return game. Finishes out this Power 5 home-and-home series. It states, let's see, fourth. And I believe it's, okay, what is State, three and two in these games because they split with Brigham Young, lost on the road, one at home, split with Kansas State, one on the road, lost at home, and did not play the road game with North Carolina State, won the home game in 2020, yes, and then uh, 2021. That's right, 2021. Ugh, COVID still messes everything up. And then last year, finally, finally got to open one of these series at home, I'm sorry, on the road, with a win and have a chance to complete it this weekend. But I'm not going to say this is a very different Arizona team. A lot of the personnel is the same, quarterback, running back, defensive stars there. Those are the same guys that got off to a pretty quick start on State. Remember that first drive, the Wildcats just bang, bang, bang down the field. Yes, State missed some plays, missed some tackles in the desert. Also, another slow start that night, at least defensively, but the offense was in gear. And by the second half, when Will Rogers was throwing passes right and left, completing them at will, when State's defense finally got a feel for how to pursue Delora, the quarterback, not try to... They were not going to chase him down and tackle him, but if you pursued him and made him make a bad throw, that was just as good or almost as good as a sack. So State was able to win that game. I remember some really precision passes, particularly in the goal line. I remember how State was able to just quit that quick pop down to Austin Williams that the Wildcats just had no time, no chance to defend. Well, State doesn't have that kind of receiver on the roster right now, but also they're not throwing those kinds of passes now. They're using a more vertical game. And that's one more fact I meant to mention from the Southeastern Louisiana game. Yes, what you saw from the stands or on TV, uh, even more so the coaches, and in particular the offensive players, have seen. Will Rogers has seen the fact there were some vertical shots available there, particularly when he was breaking out of the pocket. And, you know, frankly, they were there to be taken advantage of. I recall one of the receivers just holding his hand for 15 yards running then just almost hopping in frustration because he was so open. The pass was still completed to the other side, just not for a home run like this one would have been. That has been stressed by Barbe, as he will explain in the taped interview that we have coming up. So State's going to need more vertical element in the passing game, and they know it, and they're working on it. Now, Arizona's going to be without one of their top tacklers. He's out for the first half after a targeting call in their win over Northern Arizona. They won 38-3. Delora, who I mentioned the quarterback, whereas a year ago against State, he was intercepted three times and threw one touchdown. Well, he threw three touchdowns this time against Northern Arizona. Yes, a lightweight team as well, but still a solid start for them. The key to Arizona is now Delora seems to be intentionally rushing more instead of just running around flushed and staying uh, horizontal, waiting for something downfield. He took off and ran. In fact, was one of their leading rushers in their win on opening night in Arizona as well. Now you factor in their running back Healy, who is just a really good physical hard running back who can produce there and an improved receiver core. Their offensive line is veterans. This Arizona team, it's much like Mississippi State, you could say. Arizona's going to see a lot of familiar faces on the Bulldog offense, but it's a different team and different in more ways than Arizona is, but Arizona's a more mature team. 
defensively, uh, they brought in a whole bunch of transfers uh, from various Power 5 schools. Their defensive front is going to be new. That's something State hasn't seen from them. They'll have to find a tape from all sorts of schools where those guys came from the first time, much less what they've been able to watch from Northern Arizona game to see what the blocking looks like there. But they have linebackers who can run, hit, and cover, by the way. They, the defensive front's going to throw a bunch of different looks, um, and that's one area where State's going to have to have another game where there are no fault starts, no procedures, because they're going to be looking at guys who not only start out in different looks, but then move into other different looks as they shift around. So it's going to be some learning on the fly and a lot of patience required by State's veteran offensive line. Just good reads by Cole Smith at center, and of course behind him Will Rogers making the directions as well. Still, State should win. At least the odds makers think so. Uh, what well, early line was nine points, I believe it's ten today. Uh, I think the odds makers might want to check the weather forecast though, because it looks like it's going to be by Mississippi standards a coolish evening. Um, highs that day somewhere in the upper 80s and dropping off around game time. So. Uh, this is one of those days where you kind of wish that the game was two or three in the afternoon, bulldog deep South conditions. I always go back to the 1991 Texas game, Jackie Sherrill's second game at Mississippi state when the Longhorns came in nationally ranked and wilted on the field, not because it isn't hot in Austin, but it ain't humid at Austin. It was hot and humid that day on Scott field and those proud Longhorns were just wilting away. Well, I don't know what they're used to. I know it's been brutal heat out in the desert uh, this whole past summer. Of course, it was here at Mississippi State, too. Uh, But like they say, it's a dry heat out there, and it was a really humid camp here. But, oh, well, State won't have the huge edge weather-wise for the weekend, but uh, every little bit helps. What would really help is having a great turnout from the crowd as well. Yes, a disappointing opening day crowd. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I really, really thought there would be a better turnout for opening day. An exciting new coach, a familiar faces on the offensive team, on the defensive team, uh, some exciting young new stars ready to debut. And by the way, nine true freshmen played in the opening game. And there'll be more seeing action as the season goes on. <sighs> there can't be that many dove in this dang state. And yes, I'm a farm boy and I used to dove hunt myself before I got involved in college sports and that got knocked out. Anyway, 6.30 kickoff, no reasons not to be here. This game is one of many, I do mean many, turning point games to the Bulldogs. You take care of business here, and you do it in decisive fashion, then you feel really good about Game 3 when LSU's coming to town, especially after watching the Tigers on their Sunday night show, or lack thereof, down at Tallahassee. Parenthetically, LSU should have won the game in the first half. The fact they didn't, and the fact that, and, and this still just fascinates me, that a Brian Kelly team just threw in the towel in the fourth quarter. Now, will that considers continue on into future weeks? I don't know. But if you do it once, you can always do it again. Still, back to the point. State needs to make an emphatic statement this weekend. Beat Arizona. I don't even mean by the final score. I just mean in the manner of doing it. They need to execute cleanly. Again, stay penalty-free, not commit the turnovers, get some special teams guys back involved in moving the ball forward. Just make the plays, 
Play with confidence and build more confidence in the progress. Settle some of your rotations at the linebacker and safety positions, defensive end. Get your receiving core fully healthy. Justin Robinson, was he started, but I don't think he was close to 100% in that game against Southeastern. So, But he should have a week to heal now and get ready. Of course, Xavier Thomas is due to return and could have played this past weekend. So the roster should be in great shape for this weekend. With the obvious exception, we don't have Jaquarius Spivey, Growl, Snarl. Uh, insert your own angry noise of choice. Ooh, we're way past the 32-minute mark, so it's time. Uh, why don't I shut up and turn this over to offensive coordinator Kevin Barbet. Thanks for checking out this week's edition of the Doghouse, and we're going to try to find a regular schedule to stick to as we get deeper into this season. Uh, we're still trying to find our footing with our, all our coverage duties for GeneSpace.com, but there's a lot of content on there. Go to the website, check it out. A lot of good stuff to read. More coming in the rest of the week, interviews and features. And, of course, the return of Rose Bowl and Uncle Dave, both pregame and postgame. Thanks for checking out the Doghouse here on the Believe Podcast Network. And if you like what you're hearing, give us a like on Apple Podcast. How about it? We appreciate the help. This is your host, David Murray. Be talking to you soon. Coach Barbet, your feelings generally after reviewing your offense, how they performed and executed? You know, uh, I think always, you know, there's there's definitely room for improvement, uh, and there was a lot of yards that were left out there. Um, you know, we'd like to hit more explosive passes than what we put up on Saturday. Uh, was pleased with um, no turnovers, right? We protected the football, and that was one of the number one things that we talked about, and, and no penalties. Uh, so from that perspective, was pleased. Uh, but, you know, we got a long ways to go. Uh, it was good for us to get out and, and play against somebody that's not, you know, uh, Coach Brock and Coach Arnett's defense out there. So um, I thought we, we gained a lot of valuable experience. And, um, you know, now we, we put that one to bed and we're on to the next one. Talk a lot of the offseason of, you know, young guys that can make an impact. How much does confidence grow when a guy like Creed goes out there and has now a new game under his belt, a, a performance like that? Yeah, I was, uh, I was happy for Creed. You know, um, he's a gamer, man. Uh, he got his opportunity a couple times to touch the ball, and when he did, he created some explosives. And, um, you know, you can just tell, you know, he, he's a passionate player too, right? I mean, he, he plays with uh, energy and, and passion, and um, it was fun to watch him. It's really fun to watch those young guys, and it's their first college game, and they get in the atmosphere in that kind of stadium. And um, you can tell early on if it's too big for him or if it's not, and uh, it's definitely not too big for Creed Whittemore. With the Mike Wright stuff with – you've seen it has some success right away. Does that open up the possibilities of, of what you can stem off of that going forward and, and build off of that? Yeah. I mean, Mike Wright is an explosive football player. And, you know, um, I told you, you know, coming in, it's it's about finding ways to create explosives and put your best 11 on the field. And um, every week is a little bit different, you know. Uh, so you know, this week it'll be different than what we had last week. Uh, but Mike is uh, an experienced player and a great young man, a great quarterback. Uh, you know, and, and we got to utilize his strengths uh, in our offense to create explosives. Will, Will said he has a go route in his repertoire. You think uh, that's going to be part of it? <laughs> yeah, Will has a go route. Um, I just don't know if we're going to call a go route throw <laughs> to him. No. Uh, Will, uh, you know, Will's done a great job. And those guys, they got a great relationship with each other, and they enjoy being on the field at the same time. And like I told you guys, you know, it, it's about creativity and 
uh, just finding ways to put your, your players in the best matchup possible. We saw you go for a fourth down, I think, one or two times during the game. I'm curious what goes into sort of those conversations with, in those high leverage plays with, with Zach and even if Will is somewhat included in, in those decisions or talks. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, I, I guess generally speaking, you know, we're going to be aggressive um, and especially in certain portions of the field, you know, uh, Coach Arnett kind of gives me the heads up on first down. Hey, you know, you got four here, whatever. And so um, I know beforehand, you know, and so some of the uh, third down runs you see, right, are, are a little bit of sequencing plays. But, um, you know, uh, those those fourth down calls, I mean, especially third down calls with Will Rogers, you know, we have extensive conversations about what he feels comfortable with, you know, what coverages we're trying to beat, what pressures we've got to handle. And, you know, we, we go through each of the uh, – the situational plays and, and what he feels best with. You, know, you guys look to you know finish off every drive, but how nice is it having you know a guy like Kyle Ferry go out there and hit a couple from forty five plus? Yeah, uh, he had an awesome performance, man, uh, and that makes a huge difference. Um, obviously, we you know we're, we're disappointed when we don't score touchdowns in the red area because uh, you know you, you got to get down there and finish. And you know we'd like to have a faster start too. I mean, obviously we didn't start off the way that we wanted. Um, as far as just scoring red area touchdowns. But, man, he had a, a great performance uh, kicking the ball. Pretty Real. massive front, too, for Arizona. They hit the portal really hard. Got yep. a kid from Georgia, UCLA, and Michigan. Uh, what are your impressions of that group, and uh, how do you plan to run on the interior against them? Yeah, um, Arizona, you know, like you said, up front, uh, those guys are uh, – you know, a bunch of transfer guys that have uh, done a really, really nice job. I mean, they're really big. It'll be a different unit this week than what we faced last week, you know, and I think their linebacker core is, is really, really good. Um, the Manu kid, um, and I hope I pronounced that correctly, but I think he is a phenomenal player, uh, you know, one of their team captains, but he's uh, really a hard-nosed kid that runs well to the football and just plays the game like he should. Um, you know, I mean, we're going to have our work cut out for us. Um, you know, I mean, we're still kind of installing our, our base plan right now and finding ways to run the football and uh, put the ball out on the perimeter and, and just mix it up and try to keep them, you know, uh, as, as off guard as possible. There's a little bit more scramble element now with Will this year, the way the offense is set up. He's getting out to the corners and sometimes intentionally, some just effort. What are y'all working on maybe to not just go outside but also look for those shots downfield because a couple were open the other day? Yes, sir. Um, yeah, we're, you know, with Will, we're trying to move the launch point as much as we can where, um, you know, that helps us out in protection. And, um, you know, there were a couple shots downfield that, you know, I, I think we'd, we'd all like to have back that, uh, you know, had an opportunity to hit big ones. Um, and, and that's just about repetition and, and continuing to practice the timing and um, get comfortable um, moving, you know, from a, a different launch point. Uh, but I thought he's handled it well. Um, you know, we Obviously, we throw a bunch of bootlegs and nakeds and things like that where um, I think he's got a comfort level, and I think there was a lot of misconception about, you know, maybe him just being a, a drop back, you know, drop rock and throw kind of a guy uh, where I think he throws on the run, you know, pretty well and very accurately. Along those lines, you're potentially getting Xavion back this week, just seen points of that and how that can help get those, those deep balls connecting again. Yeah, Xavion's a heck of a player and a very explosive guy that, you know, we uh, will love to have back in the offense. And, um, you know, it's it's been a while. He's been out for a little while. So from a, a timing standpoint, we'll have to kind of catch back up. But uh, Xavion's a, a, a great young man, a phenomenal athlete, very, very twitchy. And he's one of those guys that just has a knack for making plays. 
Uh, going back to Creed for a sec, uh, the work he did in the offseason, I mean, were, were you surprised that he was able to, you know, jump out, jump out of the gate the way he did? Or You know, no, not at all. Um, you know, Creed, uh, early on, whenever I first got here during spring, was making plays and, you know, making some phenomenal catches and kind of those circus catches. So, um, you know, and I mean, again, he's, he's a coach's kid. He's grown up around it his whole life and, you know, uh, played quarterback, you know, played probably every position on the field. So it didn't surprise me one single bit, man. The, the kid's a gamer, and uh, I look forward to the rest of the season with Creed. Going into the season, there were some concerns about maybe pre-snap stuff, especially with maybe timing changes on first downs, things like that. A lot of concerns expressed, and yet you didn't have a single false start, no procedure penalties. How satisfying was that? You know, uh, it, it was very satisfying. Um, I mean, for, for our offense and as much shifting in motion and personnel uh, substitutions as we had, I was really proud of the guys from a communication standpoint, uh, you know, to, uh, to operate without any penalties. Um, you know, and, and that's about details and, and discipline, and we've got to continue that, right? And we've got to, like I said, we've got to start faster, uh, but we've got to continue improving on those details. And uh, I was pleased, though, with, without any penalties. Something Will said earlier today caught my attention. He said that uh, their front seven for Arizona is very mobile. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about what he meant by that and how uh, how your offense and, and your offense are going to have to deal with that? Yeah, um, you know, I think they've got two great defensive ends that can really uh, redirect and, and run. Um, you know, obviously those two interior guys are, are big guys. I mean, 6'6", 325, and 6'5", 315, I believe. Um, but, you know, like I alluded to with their linebackers, like these, these guys, they can really run. Uh, they got a great nickel Sam outside uh, that's played a lot, and he's played corner as well. So, you know, it tells you that he can run. Uh, and they, you know, they get to side to side really well. So, um, you know, we're going to have to do a good job of, of mixing up run and pass and uh, try to, you know, see if we can suck the safeties down a little bit with play action and take some shots. Um, but really it's a matter of, of toughness, right? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.